Hey, it's me, Gavin Crawford. Every week, I'll quiz comedians about the headlines. Do you worry about kids being exposed to drag? I grew up going to see men in dresses singing every Sunday and we had to give them money, okay? <laughs> I wish they were singing show tunes and had some makeup on their hair done, right? It would have been way better. If the news has you screaming into the void, we can help with that. Because news is available on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Okay, so it wasn't a coincidence that at the height of the pandemic, we were seeing joggers on the runway. Our clothes always have something to say about us. This year, we are in an ugly fashion moment. And today on the podcast, we'll look back at the year in fashion and what it says about who we are right now. I'm Alameen Abdul Mahmoud. This is Commotion. Okay, can we just do like a little bit of an imagining exercise, if you don't mind? The year is 2043, and the kids want to dress like it's 2023 because, you know, you've been around long enough to know that all the fashion cycles just end up coming full circle again at a certain point. What are the ironic looks? What are the ironic looks that we're going to be turning to? The moments that are so on trend right now that they couldn't be anything other than from this particular year. And what does what we chose to wear this year tell us about ourselves in this moment in history? That's the topic for today. Today on the show, let's talk about 2023's fashion time capsule. Jean-Luc Rousseau is in Phoenix, Arizona. Olivia Petter is in London. And B. Kwame is in Toronto. Welcome, everybody, to the show. How's it going? I'm so happy that you're here. Hello. Hello, hello. Hello, friends. Hello. This is going to be a delightful time. Olivia, if you don't mind, I'm going to start with you. What was like the most iconic fashion moment of 2023 for you? Something that couldn't be anything other than this particular year. Um, I think it's hard to choose, but I think for me, it's probably the Mew Mew sparkly knickers that we saw down the runway in yes. February. Um, because I think since then, I have seen... Knickers everywhere. It's Knickers been an under, underwear pants. is outerwear year for sure. Yes. Underwear is outerwear. Yeah. yeah, it's been a lot of that. And I think we saw them on the runway again in September. So those have been huge and not just on the runway. We're seeing them sold in like high street shops as well. And people kind of be encouraged to wear them at like Christmas parties, like regular people, not just fashion people. So I think that's the biggest thing for me that I, that sticks out in my head. I, I saw I saw a headline that was like, this is Haley Bieber's best look of the year. And it was from last week. And I was like, oh, let me click on this. Let me let me see this look. And it was, in fact, underwear is outerwear, but with a long coat. And I was like, I don't what season is this? What season am I existing in? I don't even know <laughs> what season we're treating this as. But I agree with you. Like it's been sort of a consistent theme throughout the whole year. John Luca, what about you? What does that look for you that sticks out all year? I think my favorite part of this year, my favorite fashion moment was like seeing people have more fun, but specifically with this like reemergence of the Y2K era amongst the young pop stars of today. Mm. I feel like for me, that sticks out as the most fun fashion moment of this year. So from like Olivia Rodrigo to Addison Rae to Tate McRae and all these young artists who are really pulling back 20 years ago and bringing this fashion back to today, as we were saying, fashion being so uh, kind of emerging in cycles yeah. and then really just making it unique again. And I think like for me, that's always the most exciting thing is to mm. take something that worked and was so iconic and then to kind of reemerge it into a new era. And so that's personally what I've gravitated towards as my favorite kind of fashion moment of the year. Okay, B, you're in charge of the 2023 time capsule. What are you putting in? <laughs> 
Ooh, that's a that's a heavy responsibility, but I think <laughs> I think you can handle it. You know, I I know what I would throw in there first is a pair of Crocs, but not just any Crocs. <laughs> Crocs that have all the little like Crocs have turned into the new charm bracelet. You yes. can't just have Crocs. You've got to have Crocs with the little pins the and the little things. The gibbets, the thing that go in it's, the yeah, yeah, the gibbets. Right, yeah. right. I did not know what the, the terminology. Term was yeah, I was no, just I get like it. they're <laughs> things. You got all your things on your Crocs. Yeah. Um, so definitely. The croc movement, I think, took on a different level of personalization in 2023. So crocs with the jib, it's got to go in there. Can I ask you guys, okay, this is, I'm I'm more interested now in like, okay, we've seen the trends and we know what the trends are, but maybe the people, can we talk about the people whom you've kind of been tracking all year and every time that they show up, you go, oh, something is happening here. I don't know what it is. I don't know if this is going to stick around or not, but this is very this year for me because that person I'll tell you right now for me is Jacob Elordi like every time I saw mm-hmm. Jacob Elordi formerly of Euphoria I guess still maybe of Euphoria um, but also has been having this breakout year because he's been in Saltburn and also in Priscilla as Elvis Presley um, and there's a lot of interest in Jacob Elordi as like I like as like a fashion figure as a person who kind of sets some trends or responds to some trends for example Jacob Elordi has been all year being photographed with these like giant bags I mean, like these giant purses that he's been carrying around with him. They're almost kind of comical because he's like six foot nine or something. Um, but the, I, so I'm interested in Jacob Elordi. I've been following Jacob Elordi all, all year. Uh, John Luca, what about you? Is there a person where you're like that person to me is setting the tone of the fashion this year? I think Jacob Elordi is a great answer. I almost view him as like the male Haley Bieber because I feel like their <laughs> styles are yes. like very similar. Yes. I feel like they have the same reach, um, and so I love that one. For me, like, I'm very basic in my answer. I love something that's, like, kind of cool and effortless and chic. I love, like, a Timothy Chalamet. I love these, like, really young artists who are doing yeah. things that are simple but still, like, cause a moment or cause a conversation or offer something new that's just beyond, like, a suit or a traditional outfit that you would see. Yeah. And so, for me, I kind of look at those young artists. And so, like, Olivia Rodrigo, for me, is very big when we come to women's fashion and, you know, the younger demographic. And I think, like, Timothy Chalamet, Jacob Elordi, that kind of group of men are doing a really good job of just making men's fashion a little more cool. My theory on this is that for a little while, we didn't really have a lot of, like, interesting men to look at. And we now are sort of in this moment of interesting men. And, like, Jacob Elordi is one of them. Certainly, Timothy Chalamet is another one. We, we, we're we seeing a reemergence of, like, young men as Hollywood stars, which has not been a thing for <laughs> maybe, like, five or six years or so. Uh, Olivia, who are you following? I think I'm going to go back to the knickers. I think Emma Corrin, um, mm. who was the the model in the Mimu show to kind of wear the the glittery pants. I really like what they've been doing this year. I've seen so many interesting looks at various red carpet shows, yeah. most recently at the British Fashion Awards. They wore this kind of white tuxedo that had like a sheer skirt without trousers. And then these kind of like black sheer gloves and knee high stockings underneath. I just think what they're doing is really interesting. And they're working Mm. with Harry Lambert, the stylist who also works with Harry Styles. So I think that those looks have been really interesting and different. And I don't think we see enough of what they are doing and the kind of subversion with fashion that Mm -hmm. we've seen. 
I'm glad you brought up Harry Styles because I do think Harry Styles' looks have been very different and interesting. But I don't think I necessarily look at those and go like, oh, I, that's aspirational. I kind of look at it and go like, I don't know what's happening there, but I'm very happy that you did that. That's, I'm, glad, I'm glad you're doing that for you. That is a not for me thing. Whereas as opposed to like a Jacob Elordi or Timothy Chalamet, you kind of go, how, how can I translate that look to like my style, my personal sort of idea of a style is? B, what about you? Um, so I think one of my favorite style icons, and I watch her every year, and she's always ahead of the game, I find, in a lot of different ways, is Tracy Ellis Ross, mm. Diana Ross's daughter. Yes. She, the thing I love about her is that she she straddles that line that you were just talking about. For me, there are certain things that I see her in where I'm like, I love that for you. <laughs> I wouldn't do it. Yes. And that's fine because I don't need to do it, but I love that you went there. And yeah. then there are other things where I'm like, you know what? This is aspirational. But I think overall, it's the idea that she always seems to be just one step ahead of the trends. Right. She starts doing something and it might be that, okay, it's not good for me, but cool for you. But then within six months, everybody's doing that. Thing. Right. And I love what she's doing in terms of wearing the clothes they don't wear her. And for a woman who's in her 50s to just continuously be killing it with her own style yes. her stylist carla welch their dream team i love i love her i love tracy and carla together great choice great cho- I, was like, I can't think of a of a tracy look that is like oh this was a miss for me because like they're all just like no interesting misses. just always interesting to look at you know exactly um I, we should say we started the show by setting up a conversation about ugly fashion and that's what we're going to do now because there's been <laughs> all this conversation about how ugly fashion is in for a moment uh b you mentioned the crocs also there's been a lot of crochet it's been called the porsche effect which is like named after the white lotus character who porsche was the assistant in the white lotus if you want if you, if you saw the white lotus i'm like i just want to play you a bit of Haley Haley lou richardson who played porsche whenever i would get dressed as her I would know when I looked at myself in the mirror if I was making that face. I was like, oh, yeah, this outfit's right. <laughs> um, well, it's Porsche right, but not cute outfit right. Yeah, none of the outfits were cute outfit right. But it was kind of like this is thrown together. I, it's it's something you need to basically function. Uh, John Luca, what did Porsche and her influence on so-called ugly fashion represent to you? I think it really was representative of what we're seeing nowadays where people are – just kind of going wild and having fun with fashion. I feel like for so long, we had to abide by these very outdated and very strict fashion rules that prohibited people from really showing their personality through clothing. I think through the pandemic, we started to see that challenged a lot more and people were bringing in their more kind of unique parts of themselves to fashion. And -hmm. I think in the past year, people have completely just gone wild. And I think in going wild, you're going to see things that some people would consider quote unquote ugly, right? That are against the norm that maybe don't match, prints that don't Match, can you pa- yeah, I was gonna say, can you paint a picture of like what does that ugly fashion even look like? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, going back to what B was saying, I think those Crocs are definitely part of it. Like <laughs> as iconic as they are, they're definitely not the kind of shoe wear that a few years ago you would have seen walking yeah. around a lot. But I think it's a, a mixture of different kind of prints, very bold colors. I think lime green is something that I've seen so much this year, both on the runways and in what people are wearing. And so as bold as you can go, I think is really sticking out. But ultimately, mm-hmm. it goes back to people just wanting to have fun. And I think if we're looking at runways, for instance, which often dictate fashion, designers are really pushing the boundaries and just being wild and crazy with things i think it's like the scaparelli runway where they put a literal lion's head on one of the dresses like mm. why would you do that but i feel that like was a moment stuff it was a moment and yeah. i feel like stuff like that gives the average consumer people like us the permission to be wild mm. and i think that permission has then lent itself to 
us having some ugly clothes. And honestly, if the ugly clothes make you feel good and make you feel represented and make you feel bold yeah. or whatever it is, then I'm here for it. Because ultimately, it's about what makes you feel best. You feel more confident and not what anyone else thinks is good or not. I, Olivia, I got to say that, like, I am relieved for this ugly fashion moment for many reasons. But the biggest reason is that it feels like before the pandemic, everyone was kind of dressing like their middle manager at an investment firm. Like, I don't know what was going on there, you know. Um, and it kind of really felt like experimentation was out, play was out, and everyone was dressing relatively formally. Like, a lot of, like, really clean lines. Uh, nothing too crazy in terms of patterns. Um, not a lot of mixing going on. And then the pandemic happens and it feels like a bit of a break, a bit of a psychic break uh, of, hey, we can actually do whatever we want. Um, Sometimes because people can't see us, but also sometimes it's because uh, we've gone through this like world historic event. We now arrive at this ugly fashion moment. What does that moment represent for you? I think, like you said, it represents wanting to play and wanting mm. to have fun with the way that we're dressing again and not sticking to those kind of rigid codes of, okay, well, if I'm going to wear this patterned jersey sweater, then I have to wear something plain and boring underneath to kind of offset the chaos. It's right. kind of about kind of bring more chaos in as opposed <laughs> to just limiting it and trying to look more refined. I think there's a lot more kind of peacocking going on in the way that we are dressing mm. and, and it's really fun and joyful and it's bringing kind of more spirit back to it. You know, we spent so long sitting around at home in our loungewear or our leggings. And so I think this is kind of a rebellion against that. Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, if folks are just joining us, my name is Elamine Abdul Mahmoud, and this is Commotion. And on today's podcast, we're looking back at what we wore this year with fashion writers Olivia Petter, Gianluca Russo, and B. Kwame. Gianluca, when we look at what we're wearing, what do we understand about this moment, about this present moment that we're in? What do you think the fashion that we chose this year represents about us? I think it shows that we're in an almost kind of careless time where, mm. like we were saying before, people want to have fun, but also people want to push themselves. I think like after feeling stuck for a while, people are really in the mood to try something new, to push their personal boundaries, to see what makes them feel good and also what makes them not feel good and what they don't like. And so I think we're almost in that era where you're like in your early teens and you're trying things for the first time <laughs> and like seeing what matches your confidence and what doesn't. I think now we're seeing that kind of across demographics as well. I know yeah. like even in my own family, my mother is trying things that I would never tell her to wear but she's trying them because she wants to <laughs> yes. and i think that's fine and so yeah. i think like across generations we're seeing people have their re-emergence of their kind of like teenage playful fashion era where you get to rediscover yourself yeah. and so i would say this year is really an era of rediscovery for many people through fashion yeah like the what you know what i'll, I'll tell you what i'm relieved by b is like the notion that 
the fact that we're all living our lives on Instagram means we all have to like look put together all the time when we take our photos. <laughs> I'm seeing I, – I don't think it's a coincidence that I'm seeing um, all these wild fashion trends, um, all these sort of notions of play that are like, I don't know if this outfit makes sense, but that's maybe the thing that actually makes sense about it. I don't think it's a coincidence that we're seeing that at the same time as we're seeing people like use filters on Instagram a little bit less than they used to, right? Like the ideas are like we maybe went through too much of a manicured period of time and we're now mm-hmm. kind of rebelling against that. What does that rebellion look like for you, do you think? Yeah, I think the rebellion is is really just getting back to authenticity. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny that uh, authenticity <clears throat> is rebellion. But like you said, with the overuse of filters and the idea that you have to have this curated presence. And then that presence on social media has to translate when you step outside of your house or people are going to say, is that the same girl I follow on Instagram? Is that the girl (laughs) who I see on TikTok? Because she doesn't. So you have to keep up this appearance. But now we're getting to a moment of authenticity where we're seeing like it's, it's that tipping point where I think we it's all of that curation has Mm -hmm. really been saturated and people are really just out here just trying to, claim a space for themselves and claim an identity for themselves and using fashion to do that as well. They are wilding out, B. They are wilding out. That's and, it. And we I love it, that though. for them. I exactly. love that for them. Uh, <laughs> Olivia, again, like the, the premise is that, you know, fashion reflects life. It's not a perfect mirror of sorts, but maybe it's a kaleidoscope or maybe it's a bit of a disco ball, right? Like, but what do, what do our clothes tell us about where we are this year? Um, I mean, I think one of the trends that we haven't touched on is that we've seen a lot more of each other's bodies with our fashion this Mm. year. And I think, again, that comes back to the kind of spending so many months kind of sequestered away in our homes during lockdowns. And by by seeing more bodies, I mean, we're seeing a lot of sheer dresses and sheer tops and sheer skirts. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot more kind of just exposure of of our bodies, um, which I think speaks to how we just want to we want to kind of showcase ourselves a bit more after having been been like sheltered away for so long and I think it's it's also about you know body confidence and body positivity and kind of encouraging people of all shapes and sizes to dress like that not just you know very small models on the runway we're seeing that kind of way of dressing everywhere which I think is really positive and a good step yeah Jean-Luc I gotta say uh even given everything Olivia just said I don't see the underwear as outerwear trend filtering down to the masses in the year ahead. Like, I don't think that is what's coming, you know, what's what's going to be in store for us in 2024. So if there is one runway trend from the past year that you expect to see filtering down, what what is it going to be? It's a good question. I agree with that. I don't see the underwear kind of trickling down, but it's I do see one. the... Yeah. Yeah, I do see the kind of like inspiration behind it trickling down. And so going back to what Olivia was saying, like, I think sheer was really big this year. I think next year is going to be a lot more about like celebrating the body and showing it more in Mm. these ways. And so I almost feel like we'll see more... We'll see sheer, but we'll kind of see different kind of textures or different structures of garments, things that almost allow you to play with the body and highlight different parts of the body that you might not have otherwise done, right? I feel like people often wear like crop tops or showing your midriff, things like that. I feel like now we'll see things that allow you to emphasize or hide other parts of the body. So whether it's like shoulders or parts of your legs, things like that. I think we're in kind of a body reckoning era for Mm. a long time during the pandemic. 
it was very difficult to live, especially in a body that was not kind of this thin ideal that we see in fashion. But I think a lot of people had to come to terms with their body image and deal with all of these kind of issues and conversations through the pandemic. And so I think now what we're seeing is people reconnecting to their body. And in order to do that, they're using fashion to either show parts that they want to show more, to elevate parts, to kind of play with their figure. And so I think that'll be the big thing that we see over the next year is this really reconnection of the body through fashion. Yeah, Olivia, I'm not wearing briefs to work, pal. But uh, what do you what do you think is going to filter down to people? What do I think will filter down to people? I mean, you know, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to filter down to the mainstream. But I go into high street shops now and I see these totally sheer dresses and tops. So I do think that there are some people that are being almost not encouraged to do it. But I do think that's I do think it's only a matter of time until you kind of go to a Christmas party and see someone in like a totally shit off and think, and <laughs> it's kind of, I think slowly it will make its way out of the industry. Yeah. But I think one of the biggest things that I think we're going to see so much more of is really simple, just flat shoes. Um, this year I think has been the year of flat shoes. So from the Margiela tabbies, which kind of went viral this year and because of the ballet flats can you tell the story of why the tabbies went viral because i think it's a really great story and people deserve to hear it go ahead (laughs) so um so a woman um posted a tiktok about how her tabby she went on a tinder date and And tabbies are like like ballet flats that's they're they're flat shoes with like the kind of japanese toe right so they separate the toe got it um and they're like 600 pounds so like 700 800 dollars a pop they are expensive shoes yeah and um so this woman went on a tinder date and um the guy stole her tabbies (laughs) and then went miss and then blocked her and like she couldn't get hold of him so she posted about it on tiktok and then the world kind of set about trying to find this guy for her so she could get her tabbies back it was an amazing moment of kind of internet pop culture. Anyway, she did get them back. And I, if I remember correctly, the guy had a girlfriend and he'd stolen the tabbies. Mm-hmm. For, for her, girlfriend. for his girlfriend. That was the craziest part of the story, 100%. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, continue. I cut you off. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was it was bonkers. So, yeah, it was the year of the tabbies and also the year of the flat shoes, the ballet flats that we've seen kind of across the runway and all designers. And also just on the front row at Fashion Week, you know, no one's really showing up to shows and heels anymore. It's all about flat shoes. So I think they're becoming much more of a kind of power status symbol as opposed to high heels. So I think that will definitely trickle into the next year. B, I know you're not a mean person, but I'd like you to get a little mean if you don't mind. If you had a magic wand, what would you like to make disappear? Like something that's like, this has got to go in the dustbin of fashion history immediately. So, you know, what? it it may not be a specific item, but it's it's a a way of thought about fashion that I think has been really... Um, amplified by fast fashion. So relationships with fast fashion can be very fraught. So maybe fast fashion is what some people want to throw in the bin. Mm. But I think that what has come about is we have really started to lose the essence around all the other stuff that incorporates fashion, tailoring, structure. We want to buy something and have it fit us just like the model. You see those, mm-hmm. uh, you know, posts on social media of like, here's what I, here's what I paid for. Here's what I got. And it looks totally different, but it's like, maybe that item was tailored to that person. Maybe this is an actually, you know, this is a different setup. Maybe they're pinned in the back. Maybe there's a whole bunch of magic happening. Mm-hmm. And I think this expectation of 
you know, the, we want that immediate gratification and satisfaction with our fashion. And I think whether that's stepping away from fast fashion or whether that's paying more attention to what we actually have in our closets before we go shop and buy something else, maybe you just need to tailor your coat a bit. Maybe you just need to take in those pants a bit. Maybe you don't need to go buy something new. So maybe we need to kind of throw away the idea of excessive consumption for that instant gratification mm -hmm. and apply some of the other art of fashion to what we do clothe ourselves in to create a newer look for ourselves. So I that's hope as mean as I'll get. That's You know what? That was <laughs> I was like, B, can you please get mean? And you're like, I'll be as kind as possible. But you know what? <laughs> Fine. I appreciate your meanness, however it comes, even thank if it comes you. into this package of kindness. <laughs> B thank Kwame, you. Olivia Petter, Gianluca Rousseau, thank you so much for your time, you guys. This has been a delight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You betcha. Talk soon. Thank you. B. Kwame is a freelance writer and regular here on Commotion. John Luca Rousseau is a fashion writer based in New York, but currently in Phoenix, Arizona. He's the author of The Power of Plus. And Olivia Petter is a fashion writer based in London. And that is it for the podcast today. Remember, you can listen to any, any episode of the show, anytime you like, wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Alameen Abdul-Mahmoud. I'll see you tomorrow. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.